It's time for the show that scours the globe for news that interests you. We've scoured a few other planets, too. Didn't find much. Coming to you almost live from their command center just beneath the Earth's crust, here's Jeremy Bray and Wesley Faulkner with Global Geek News. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Global Geek News Podcast. This is episode number 65 of the Global Geek News Podcast, and as always, I am your host, Jeremy Bray, alongside my co-host, Wesley Faulkner. How's it going, Wesley? I am doing awesome. Oh, that's good to hear. Here you're turning another year older tomorrow. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> yeah, you're another year older tomorrow, and I'm just another day older. Yeah. Well, I'm another day older, but a day and a year. Yeah. Something like that. So how's things going with you? Hello? You cut out there for a second. You're still with me? Oh, yeah. I'm still here. You still here? Yeah. Okay. Sorry about that. Oh, that's okay. How are things going in your life? Life's good. Um, the project that I've been working on is uh, almost complete. Uh, just two weeks left and it'll be done. Sweet. I can't play, can't wait to play with it. From what all I haven't heard about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You've been a little too secretive about that one. Oh, uh, well, it's, it's it's just a minor update. I, I mean, it's not huge or anything, but uh, it's just, just consuming a lot of my time, and I can't wait for it to be over. If it's, if it's anything as good as the new ATI graphics drivers that came out last week, I'm sure I'll be thoroughly impressed, because those new drivers are amazing. They've done some amazing things for Battlefield Bad Company 2. For, so if anybody's been having performance issues with that, especially, at least in my case, I have a, one of the Radeon 5970 cards, which I don't know if it's just an issue with that card or what, but if you've been having performance issues, that card, or the, those drivers do work wonders. Yeah, I have exactly 0% uh, influence on how those came out, but I'll take 100% of the credit. Yeah, feel free to pass along the compliment to the team. <laughs> Will do. But anyway, we have a more than full show. We've got a full complement of stories, plus more tips than we've ever had in a single show, as far as I can remember. So might as well go ahead and jump right in. Don't forget you can follow along in the show notes at globalgeeknews.com, as well as you can find a number of other things there now that we've merged the um, normal site and the blog site, including a little post I did last week about how the whole Facebook open graph um, instant personalization thing is kind of necessary for the future of the internet. And it's basically how the whole instant personalization thing is about getting people comfortable with getting their private information out there on the internet to companies on the internet and how they're, those companies will be able to leverage that information in the future. And the fact that Facebook is probably the only one who could do something like that and actually get away with it. So make sure to check that out. I am rather proud of that post. So anyway, might as well go ahead and jump right into the story, starting with No Hulu in the UK. Yes, 
Um, this is sad for our UK brethren that uh, apparently uh, the bigwigs didn't find any interest in taking on uh, a third-party service. Instead, they choose to use their own, uh, launch their own services to compete with Sky, um, compete with Hulu. Yeah, I was starting to wonder about this the other day. I was thinking to myself, gee, I thought Hulu was supposed to launch in the UK around November, but I don't remember ever hearing any stories about it having actually launched in the UK. So along comes this post by Gizmodo a couple of days ago. I guess this was back on April 28th, which I think that was, what, Wednesday, Thursday, something like that. Anyway, saying that apparently everybody or nobody wants to cooperate. They all kind of want to do their own thing. I guess after they've seen how successful BBC is with its iPlayer. Yeah, it, it would be nice if we could do share content and we get more BBC content here and they would get more American content there. Uh, but um, I know that I think that they already get plenty of American content. I think, um, ironically, since... I think them not being over there is a bigger loss for us rather than it is for them. Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of surprised that there isn't more content sharing between the two. I mean, everybody that I know that goes over to the UK and gets to experience, like, the BBC's iPlayer, they absolutely rave about how wonderful it is and the fact that it blows Hulu completely out of the water. I, I would like to able to try that sometime without having to figure my way around proxies and whatever. Well, they do pay for it, so I think that is a bit of a difference. Uh, yeah, that's true. So they, they it's it's very I'd well financed. It Say again? So I'd pay for it too. Not that I really much care for paying for much in the way of media on the internet, but uh, I'd be willing to pay just to try it out at least. Yeah, free trial. And, and <laughs> yeah, but I'd like I, to I mean, check out some Top Gear. Yeah, right now I don't have enough time to deal with managing another entertainment service. I mean, I got Netflix, I got Hulu, uh, I got my DVR at home, and of course, you know, occasional YouTube in there. So I don't know if I could deal with another application to watch, you know, entertainment on. If I, that's why it, it would be better if it was integrated in Hulu and be more of a one-stop shop instead of changing interfaces. I mean, that's the advantage of ha having a Boxy, I guess, if, if Boxy was uh, one that could bring all the stuff together. Yeah, I know the feeling. I, I, I don't even know the last time I really had time to do anything with Netflix. I know I haven't gotten a DVD from them in months, and I rarely stream it on my Xbox or anything like that, because I never watch anything on my PC. Um, I, I've just gotten to the point where I don't have that much time for it, so I dropped it to the lowest subscription model so that I, I can still keep it for when I do have time for it. But it's, I don't know, between all the stuff that I, all the content that I take from various places on the internet and YouTube and whatever else, I just don't really have time for full-length movies and whatever. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it, it that's kind of one of the things where it would lend itself to more casual viewing of something that you was already front and center. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, maybe one of these days we'll expand 24 hours and make it 28 hours a day or something like that. 
<laughs> find a way to slow down the planet's rotation or something. But in the meantime, apparently Avatar users are experiencing some major DRM issues. Yeah, speaking of lack of content, uh, people who've actually purchased it aren't able to watch Avatar. Um, and this is widely spread on some Blu-rays, but um, apparently some people are actually seeing this on DVDs also. Yeah, this is kind of surprising. I don't know exactly what players and stuff are having issues, but apparently um, Blu-ray players and even DVD players that have upgraded firmware and everything are apparently unable to handle whatever security measures that Avatar has. This despite the fact that Avatar has been available on various pirate sources since January with no DRM. Yes. That's kind of pointless at that point. Yeah, and they also broke the records of DVD sales. So it's not like it was they needed to overly protect it because uh, they've already broken records on maximum sales. So uh, it sounds like it's just bittersweet for people who love the movie so much to purchase it and not be able to watch it. Yeah. I've never understood the whole DRM on movies anyway. It's going to be cracked right away, or in this case, several months before it comes out. And if you know the DRM is going to be cracked before it comes out, the whole using DRM to thwart piracy thing has kind of already gone out the window, so why you even put it on there? I don't have a clue. Well, I mean, you mean uh, the overly restrictive DRM? I mean, all Any DVDs. DRM, for that matter. Yeah, it was written into the standard. It's just this new fancy fangle one has caused the most of the problem. The other DRM, the standard one that most use, um, they people, it's it's a standard, and so most players will play them without a problem. Uh, it's them trying to change the game and not uh, and other players not being able to keep up this cause a problem. Yeah, it, it it's. One of those issues where you'd think they'd test stuff like this before it comes out. I mean, these people are the ones that create the Blu-ray players, Sony and whatever. So you'd think they'd go, hey, why don't we test it make sure all this DRM is going to be kosher with our stuff? And instead, they ship it, and it bites everybody in the butt. Yeah, well, I mean... There's other players other than Sony, so yeah, I, 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 there's no way to test all of them, which is another reason why they shouldn't try to throw new code on something um, that is untested, widespread, before a major release like this. I mean, this is a major release. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'd think they'd be a little bit more prepared for something like that. Uh-huh. But speaking of piracy-related matters... Apparently, Fox News is now doing a little bit of piracy of its own. Yeah, this is this is pretty funny. Yeah, not normally a story we would cover here, but I just found it a little bit on the entertaining side, considering Rupert Murdoch's stance as far as he doesn't want traffic from Google, considers it piracy and whatever else. Yeah, they, they apparently they feel that they can just take whatever they want on the internet because it's free on the internet for them anyway because they're a news organization but I mean you still copyright is copyright yeah apparently there was a guy whose name I'm not even going to try to pronounce took a bunch of pictures of the volcano erupting in Iceland 
Well, you put him up online on his Flickr page or whatever, and apparently he normally sells these photos. Well, Fox News just went, ripped off the photos, and he's not too happy about it. He's tried contacting him. Fox News won't do a thing about it. Apparently Gizmodo did the same thing and ripped off the photos after apparently Gizmodo lately has been going after people who've been copying their works without permission. And even Gizmodo is only willing to pay half of what he normally, of the rates that he normally gets for his pictures. Yeah. Yeah. Gizmodo's really good about paying. So I hear. Yeah. You know, it seems like with every passing week, I'm losing more and more respect for Gizmodo. Yeah. It's been a while since I've copied, uh, went to their blogs, but, um, I don't know if this is good or bad for them. I mean, are they getting more, you know, they said no, no PR is bad PR as long as you spell your name right. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was listening to uh, NPR today on the way home, all text considered, all, sorry, all tech considered. And uh, they were even, even they were talking about Gizmodo. So it's, it's, to me, it's getting mainstream and they, this could be a big fanfare. Um, I, and if prosecution, the way, if, if they get off or if this gets appealed and appealed and appealed and it just stays in the courts, a.k.a. stays in the headlines, um, they could be one of the biggest gadget blogs in the country. Yeah, I know I've seen it posted about on, or they talked about it on like MSN or NBC Nightly News and pretty much everywhere is kind of ran the story. So I'm kind of curious to see, or I would like to know what their traffic was before the story and what it is now. That would be pretty interesting to see, and especially if you could compare it with other gadget blogs like Engadget. Oh, yeah, definitely. Or even, like, uh, the the Post or the Times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That'd be... Interesting to see, but I don't know. I'm kind of curious to see if now that they've got a little bit more of a spotlight put on them, if they're gonna keep doing these sleazy tactics. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, if it keeps paying off, I say why not? Yeah. Well, speaking of sleaze, apparently the Breen wants a Usenet provider to start filtering its um, services. Kind of similar to in the way that Mininova does their filtering, where it just becomes a case of a, a whitelist. Yeah, um, since they had success in one case, why not try to get it, get another one and another one? And uh, it, it just, as more people agree to this, uh, either uh, opt-in or forced by the, the courts, um, they, they build their case and they set a precedent. Yeah, apparently this is kind of the first case in the Netherlands, I guess, against a Usenet provider for doing something like this. But I guess this goes against the Usenet company NewsService.com or News-Service.com. Not someplace I've ever heard of, but then again, the first rule of Usenet is that you don't talk about Usenet, so that might be why. But apparently the Breen either wants them to start filtering copyrighted material because apparently they're not happy with the whole you report which file is copyrighted and we'll take it down model, or they will try and impose a 50,000 euro a day fine on the company, which would essentially put the company out of business, 
Either either way, if the company loses, they're pretty much out of business. Yeah, which is insane. Um, I, I can't believe something like this is is being struck down so hard, especially with the the numbers coming out about how false the piracy uh, statistics have been uh, and how it's not a problem. And, of course, every time we report about something like this, we also report how uh, industry, music industry, and uh, the film and movie industry are getting record sales on top of record sales. Uh, and, and and it's impossible for me to understand exactly why, what justifies this kind of crackdown. Yeah, I, I've never really understood it, especially something that justifies it to the point where you're having an international treaty to try and enforce this stuff in different countries. A secret international treaty. Yeah, not secret anymore. I guess they released the text of that. What was it last week that they released all the text on that? Yep. I, I haven't had a chance to read all of it myself, but from what I've read, they've taken out the three strikes provision at least. So that's good. But speaking well, it's still, of... It's still highly suggested, I think. Yeah. Well, I know I saw something about AT&T saying that, okay, if you do that, we want some kind of a tribunal for the whole disconnection thing and stuff like that. I, I don't know. I have to look that up in my Google Reader, but interesting. I think it's something about a public flogging is what they requested. Um, yeah, too. something like that. But speaking of piracy issues and the fact that maybe they're not really an issue, apparently music industry grew in 13 major markets last year. Not right. quite what they'd have you believe. So this is what I was alluding to um, in the last in the last article that, that we were talking about is that the, everywhere we see the consumer spending is exploding, especially in in the age of digital. Um, and, and it's 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 less about piracy; it's more about consumer uh, rampant uh, adoption and consumption. And so we're seeing all levels go up and. Uh, just like a bad parent, cracking down on the wrong way sends the wrong message, and it's only going to hurt them and, and make piracy worse. Um, because I think a lot of people don't understand, I mean, in this day and age, when we were uh, younger, which is probably like five years ago, uh, it was so easy to pirate. Now it's so much easier to just purchase it. And uh, piracy has become more of an art uh, than a science. And uh, it, it's not one easily taken upon. It's something that people have to struggle to figure out and know where things are. And this kind of spotlight is just saying, oh, uh, really? You can get stuff on the internet for free? And people investigate, and they're just in introducing this to more people. Yeah, the, I don't know, the whole thing, at least for me, behind the piracy is... Yeah, they've done a much better job of making content easier, pay content easier to get to, but at the same time, the experience is still crap compared to mm -hmm. the experience that I get from whatever I download online. And yeah, the audio and video quality might not quite be DVD or Blu-ray quality or whatever, but in the end, I don't have to sit through any commercials, any FBI warnings or anything. And it just makes things a whole lot easier. Yeah, it'd be nice if you still had to sit through the FBI warnings, though. That'd be hilarious. But yeah, uh, that'd be kind of funny. But, <laughs> um, 
but the, as I said, it's more of an art than a science. It's you you know exactly where to go, how to get it. If there's something wrong, what to look for. Uh, be able to decrypt the the some of the cryptic titles for some of these, uh, because some of them are put in a certain way. Um, and you know, you know who are the best, uh, you know, upload kitties that give the best work. I mean, it's, it's same thing. It's not something you'd say. Oh, you just go here and click here. Back in the day, and in the time of like you know, e donkey, it was pretty much easy to figure out which was the 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 best source, and and there was plenty of it. Yeah, it doesn't seem like there's quite as much as that of that today, and we'll get back to the story in a second. But I don't notice that too much today in terms of you know who's creating the best pirated stuff. Like, I mean, for example, Axo. I don't think he's done anything in a little while. And there's a handful of others that are well known across the internet for um, their uploads and stuff. I don't, I don't really notice that too much anymore, especially ever since kind of AXO took a break and whatever. But I, I'm finding more that it's just kind of communities that are a little bit better at self-policing uh-huh. and sites that I tend to get torrents from and whatever. Um, they're private torrent networks, but they get their guidelines and rules from that have, have kind of been set down from scene groups and scene groups are really extremely picky about like file sizes and quality and stuff like that. So I tend to know that I'm still getting quality stuff just because I, I kind of know the rules of the site to an extent, but anyway, back to the story. Um, the 13 major markets where the music industry actually grew in the last year Included Australia, Mexico, South Korea, Sweden, UK, Brazil. And the thing is, a lot of this doesn't make a whole lot of sense, at least if you're going from the music industry's logic. As far as they're concerned, the sales or whatever look better in places that have stricter copyright laws. Well, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense considering... There's more piracy in the U.S. than anywhere else for music or whatever. We have the strictest piracy laws, and sales continue to drop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, they're gonna, they would need to look at countries that have no copyright law, laws and see if their sales went up too, and at what rate. Yeah, and then take Sweden, for example. That's another kind of an oddball one. Last year they passed that... Uh, um, iPred or iPredator legislation. I can't. One of the names. One of the two. But and the other one's like the um, proxy service from the Pirate Bay. But anyway, um, when they passed that, traffic for piracy in Sweden dropped like out of the blue just because of it. Everybody was a little scared of it. But then within like two months or whatever, piracy was not only back to what it was, but it was higher than it was in the first place. And yet, they're still having their industry is still growing. So I don't think at this point they can really point to any one country and say, "Hey, this is what their laws are. This is what their um, sales are, and they're the model for what we're trying to achieve." Even France, when they passed the three strikes piracy stuff last was it last year or early this year? I can't remember. 
But anyway, when they passed that, I think it was probably earlier this year, I, it, much in the case of Sweden, it dropped at first, and then it ended up going up higher than it ever was in the first place. Well, so, and in this case, they are not in one of the top 13 growing markets. So, I don't know, they don't, it seems like there's a lot of chaos to this, and they have no logic behind what they're trying, the agenda that they're trying to push. Yeah, what they should do is just regulate broadband speeds. <laughs> just buy up ISPs and control them if that's what they want to do. I mean, that's the only way to even uh, get in the door to try to reduce piracy. They could, they're trying to, to, to regulate an area in which they have no part in. Um, so I, I really think they should just lay off all, all, already, I mean. Yeah, just force Sorry. everybody to go back to dial-up speeds, and then that'll fix the piracy issue. Yeah, totally. That's the only way that I see that it's a plausible way of getting this done. Yeah, pretty much. But speaking of how people consume their media, apparently DVD player sales are plummeting. This is also kind of the most obvious story of the year. Yeah, well, I, I, I think... That's because of saturation, to tell you the truth, also. I mean, before, I mean, players are were so cheap. I mean, you could get one for, like, $30, $40 and last for years. I think we're at that point. And um, as people are going high definition, I'm guessing Blu-ray's going up. Um, but, God, I, I don't remember the last time I purchased a standalone DVD player. I think when I got my all-in-one home theater system back in 2005, maybe? I think that's when I... It came with a DVD player, but I like never really used it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it is largely a case of saturation. And and this is coming... This is a story out of the UK, so this is as far as the UK is concerned, not necessarily the US or whatever. But I it's known that DVD sales have fallen. Last I had heard, Blu-ray sales over whatever period of the time that they measured were up like 90-some percent. So that's kind of picking up for some of it, and then a lot of it's moving to downloads as well. But I, I think it's really a saturation issue more than anything, because I mean, think about all the devices that you have that have built-in DVD players. I Here I am, I'm sitting at my desk... Within three feet of me, I have one, two, three, four, five devices that can all play DVDs, none of which is a standalone DVD player. Three are computers, one's an Xbox, one's a PS3, and actually I may even have more than that around here if I really look. Actually, I do. I've got one more computer stashed underneath the desk that doesn't work. I mean, I have no reason to buy a standalone DVD player when I have all of this. Plus, I've got my media server that can stream my content to whatever machine or whatever that I want. Mm-hmm. So I I think people are just finally starting to realize, hey, we don't need a separate DVD player. We've already got computers that we can network or we've got... Xboxes and Playstations and whatever that we can watch our content on. Yeah, like you even see the debate on Blu-ray players when someone says, should I buy a standalone Blu-ray player or should I buy a PS3? A lot of people are pushing towards the, BS- the PS3. 
Uh, and same thing, like, if my DVD player went out today, I don't know if I would buy another DVD player. I mean, if that was the only thing I could play movies on, that is. Um, uh, I would maybe get an Xbox 360. Um, it, it just it doesn't make sense. It seems, and, and look at these numbers, it says that the DVD sales um, of the players peaked in 2007 at 7.3, but uh, last year, uh, 7.3 million, but last year it fell to 5.7 million. And the estimates say that it'll be fewer than 4.5 million in 2014, which I think that <laughs> that number does not make sense. Uh, I think 4.5 million in 2014 is a bit high. Yeah, this is for the UK, though, rather than everywhere or even the US, so I'm not sure. I'm sure their market and stuff is going to be a little bit different. But yeah, this the story kind of is a little screwy in that one way they're making it sound like, oh no, the DVD is going to die next year. And then they're saying, oh, well, you're still going to have 4.5 million DVD players sold in 2014. And when you think about all the people who already have DVD players, plus all the other things that can play DVDs, who really is going to need a, a DVD player by 2014? Yeah. And then you even were talking about how iPlayer is just huge over there. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if they have movies or is it just TV shows though but um, they could always release movies via the iPlayer yeah and especially if they're, if the other um, places outside the other than the BBC are looking to launch their own content network similar to Hulu then that's just another avenue for people to go so other than DVDs and it seems like I saw something not too long about Netflix going over there and Netflix going global or something like that. So that may help keep sales a little bit stronger, but still not by much. Yeah, I, there's uh, the, I, I, DVDs are just getting old right now. Um, they're getting cumbersome. And uh, when we start seeing the issues like Avatar, <laughs> where they're rolling out new DV, uh, sorry, DRM copyright schemes, the older players won't be able to keep up with those. Uh, and instead of uh, people buying new players that play the new DVDs, people are just going to just reject that whole technology. And, and I think James uh, Cameron is going to help foster the death of DVDs if he keeps doing things like this. I think a lot of it, too, is the fact that everybody is kind of moving from, especially at least here in the States, ever since we had the whole digital switchover, everybody has moved away from the old tube TVs to high-def LCDs or plasmas or OLEDs or whatever. And DVDs just don't look that good on a great big 52-inch screen. Right. And if you get an up-converting DVD player or whatever, it doesn't look too bad, but I still think it looks a little on the ugly side myself. But, and that I think that's going to be why a lot of people are going to be switching more towards either Blu-ray players or services that can stream high-definition video that'll look good on their TVs, whether it's like a Netflix or a Vudu or something similar to those. Yeah, and uh, with Blu-ray, I mean, it gets better. Uh, it doesn't get stale, at least the extras. Um, with boxes that are streamers like uh, the Rox- Roxio, uh, those get better too. So, um, given the choice, I think people might actually 
I mean, there's an advantage of getting a box that does it all and can also start streaming Amazon movies as as well as Netflix movies and um, other podcasts and other content. So I, yeah. I think that all people, I think, estim- mis- um, don't estimate how rapid technology can grab hold these days, especially with things getting cheaper and faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's certainly a, a tough thing to keep up with for a lot of these places. But speaking of changes, apparently Apple is changing the price of ebooks in general. Yeah. Thanks to some new pu- agreements that allow publishers to name prices. Yeah, you can name your price anything you want as long as it ends with 99 cents. <laughs> so anything as long as it ends with 99 cents and as long as Apple gets the cheapest price. Yeah, that, that the whole 99 cents thing is one thing that I've never understood at all. I mean, when I walk into a store and I see something that's $4.99, I'm just going to tell myself that's 5 bucks. I'm mm-hmm. not going to tell myself, oh, that's 4 bucks. there's a difference there. And one penny, whoop-de-doo. It, 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 that's one of those marketing things or whatever that's never made a bit of sense to me. So why Apple's sticking to that, I don't know. I, mean, I guess they can... I suppose that makes some sense in their music store, just because you can say, oh, hey, you have millions of songs or whatever, all for under a dollar. Being able to say under a dollar, is that's a little bit more powerful. But when you're saying that this book is ten ninety nine, that gets to the point where it's just kind of stupid. Also, I think this is all the things that can cause anti antitrust problems. I think this is actually could be one of them. Uh, forcing prices, uh, even though you, they said that you can charge anything you want, but the, the caveat saying that they have to have the lowest price. Uh, or if you want to play ball with them, I th- I think that's fairly anti-competitive because it's strictly saying no. You can have deals with whoever you want as long as we get the cheapest one, which well, that's that's exactly anti-competitive. Well, according to this, apparently Amazon supposedly has the same kind of a deal, mm-hmm. but at the at the same time. Apple still doesn't have near the publishing partners that Amazon does, so it hasn't had too big of an effect yet. But you're going to start seeing a lot of people, like in the story that the guy that was originally reporting it was saying, he he has stories that he sells usually in the one to three dollar range because his stories are more about are more for people that are looking at impulse buys more than anything. Well, a lot of people will set their book prices to 229 or 249 or whatever but because of the whole 99 cent thing that means they automatically have to charge 299 instead and for people like that who are dependent upon impulse buys that few extra cents can make a, a big deal between selling a product and not selling a product yeah and i know this this article reports that um that, that Amazon has the same thing. But that's if they are the broker. Um, that you can still go through Amazon without them being the broker and, and be able to charge whatever you want. Because remember, we had that story in which um, they were charging sales tax for those who weren't going through their program to sell their books. 
Yeah, Amazon's doing everything that it can to keep publishers from naming their own price. Amazon wants to name the prices themselves. And as long as that's the case, it's probably not that big of an issue. But when publishers start demanding across the board that all their books be a certain price or they want control of the prices of all their books, then it starts to become more of an issue and then stuff like this can crop up. Right. But with Apple already being controlling on many fronts, uh, and this is just this is just adding to the case. Like if you're building a case against a company, this is just one after another after another, and they just keep saying what they're going to keep doing it. Uh, and I think it's going to be the EU. If it's going to be anyone, they're going to they already don't like Apple too much, uh, and I feel that they are going to use this to to crack some new laws against them. Yeah, there's a lot of people that don't like the way Apple does things, and I think that this is just going to get them into a little bit more hot water than they're really looking for, I think. But speaking of Amazon and eBooks, apparently they're going to start um cataloging and sharing whatever you've highlighted in your Kindle. I guess this is part of the new firmware update that's supposed to be rolled out to all the Kindle devices by the end of the month, partially so that you can like update your you can put quotes from books on Facebook or on Twitter among other things. Yeah, I think some of this was especially with the data, I, that sounds very personalized. Uh, and I, I think it's spooky to showing what people have highlighted. It, I, I mean, it sounds kind of innocuous, like these are books, the words are available, it's just saying what people are highlighting in these books. But um, people, by default, wouldn't think that what they highlight in their books would be shared with other people. Yeah, I think this is going to be one of those things where... They need a better way to reach out to their customers and say, hey, this is what we're doing. This is what you can do with it. You can share clips from books on Twitter and Facebook and whatever. And as a Kindle owner myself, this is kind of one of the things that I seem to face is on the device that feels very isolated. And even when I have it plugged into the computer or whatever, or if I'm just like on the Kindle website or whatever, the, the whole Kindle website or whatever is not really as tied to the reader itself as I think it should be. I mean, it's nice to keep it separate so that you don't have to worry about one or the other or whatever. It's just kind of a, more of a way to organize your books and whatnot. But, uh, excuse me, mm. a little bit too much pizza tonight apparently. Anyway, um, but there's never been enough of a tie between the two as to where using the Kindle, you want to go to the Kindle website to find out something other than technical support information. For that, I've gone to there a number of times. But there's, they need a way of redirecting the Kindle owners to the Kindle website and then leveraging that website to point out what's going on, some of these features and stuff like that, so that people have an idea of what's really going on. Um, in the article, I couldn't tell. Is this an opt-in feature at all? 
I, from the way I was kind of understanding it when it was first announced, some of these features for the new firmware last week was that it's kind of an when you want to share something, you just say, okay, here's a highlight, send it to Facebook or send it to Twitter or whatever. I never. It wasn't until I read this story on GigaOM that made me think that this was kind of going up there without your permission, or it sounds like it probably is still going up there with your permission, because it's going to have your have to have your login credentials and everything anyway, but it sounds like it's more going to be posted automatically without your intervention in the way that I have my PlayStation 3 hooked up to my Facebook account, so that way whenever I get a trophy or an achievement or whatever it is that Sony likes to call their achievements, that it will post that achievement straight to my Facebook page. I think that's kind of what it's going to be like. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, it's just that I was wondering. I couldn't tell, but it seemed like there would not be a setting exposed for people to toggle this, um, and it's going to be on for everybody who upgrades to the new firmware. And um, I guess I'm going to go with that assumption until I hear otherwise. Well, the one thing that makes me question it is that there's a little bit of a screenshot in there that's, where it has a passage of text, and then it's got a bubble saying, four other people have highlighted this part of the book. The only thing that I can think of that that would apply to would maybe be um, uh, Amazon saying just keeping an eye on books and stuff that people highlight, and then when you get multiple people hiding, highlighting a specific passage of the book, then putting that passage on the book's page on their website so that way when people are going to look at the book or they're thinking about buying it, looking at reviews and stuff those passages that people found noteworthy are going to be there so that you can look at those and possibly persuade you into buying the book that I think Um, they might get a little that that might get them into a a little bit of trouble possibly but that that's the way it looks like how that that kind of works outside of the whole Facebook and Twitter area. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know if it is the most popular parts parts of the book. Uh, I would think they'd be kind of more protective of those parts than anything. But um. yeah, I'm kind of curious to see how it works out. The new update's supposed to be rolled out by the end of the month. I was I tried to find it lat over the weekend to see if I could put it on my Kindle because last time that they had a firmware rolled out, you could just go to the Amazon's update page or whatever, download it, put it onto your Kindle and install it yourself instead of waiting for the over the air update. But apparently you can't do that with this particular update for some unknown reason. So I'm kinda curious to see what it's going to be like. I've got my Kindle's wireless turned on or whatever from pretty much now until the time that it gets the update, which will be sometime by the end of the month, and supposedly the updates only take about 10 minutes to download and install. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it has any user interaction when it does that either. Well, yeah. Um, it's just scary to me. I I, I, I can't believe it's... It's just really scary to me what, what they, that they're just turning it on and seemingly no way of turning it off. And are is this something? I mean, how do you feel? I mean, you own a Kindle. I'm a live in public kind of person, so 
stuff like that, the instant personalization stuff on Facebook doesn't really bother me. As far as I'm concerned, as long as you're not giving out my credit card number, I really don't care. Credit card okay. numbers and passwords are the only thing I really care about. Past that, if you want to share my name, share stuff that I've highlighted, knock yourself out. Okay, so if there is a website that listed every book that was on your Kindle, you'd be fine with that? Yeah, fine by me. Okay, even if you couldn't opt out? Fine by me. I don't have anything that I'd be embarrassed about on my Kindle. Now you don't. Well, I don't, do you... I, don't, I don't see myself putting anything on there that I would be embarrassed about anyway. Actually, I'm reading a rework by the guys at, was it, 37 Signals right now on my Kindle? Great book for those that are kind of thinking about the idea of like starting up their own business and stuff. Short book, I'm like about a quarter of the way through it, but it, so far I highly recommend it. Okay, but what about, what about if your mom wanted to borrow your Kindle for a short trip and she started downloading books that you personally would have no interest in? And I'd probably just delete them, which actually brings me to another point about the uh, new firmware update that's coming out. You you will be able to password protect your Kindle now. Mm-hmm. And I would far sooner get her her own Kindle than I would let her use mine. So. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Point taken. Yeah. Like I said, I live in public, so that's pretty much the way I am. I I essentially hide pretty much nothing. Okay. But anyway, speaking of living in public, apparently there's some bloggers that weren't being as public as they should be about the stuff that they were being given for their blog posts, so the FTC was doing a little bit of an investigation into them, although no fines are going to be levied. Yeah, this is against Ann Taylor. Apparently what they did was uh, they had some sort of uh, loft event. I'm not sure what brand that is offshoot of Ann Taylor, but uh, they had invited some bloggers and told each one of them if they posted their blog within 24 hours and sent them the link, they would be entered in a drawing for gift cards totaling from anywhere from $50 to $500. Okay, sorry about that. I got a little bit interrupted there. What were you saying? Oh, I was just talking about how Loft event and uh, how they uh, said that if they the bloggers submitted their articles within 24 hours of actually going to the event, they would be entered in the drawing firm for uh, gift cards totaling up to $500. Yeah, the way they, the story makes it sound is like all the bloggers were getting a gift card, but the drawing would kind of depend on how much you would get. And I guess there were at the event there were signs and stuff posted saying, "Hey, you have to disclose this." Well, apparently there were some bloggers that didn't disclose it, mm-hmm. so it ended up causing some issues. And as far as Ann Taylor is concerned, they were they did as much as they really needed to do legally speaking to keep themselves from getting fined eleven thousand dollars by the FTC. And this was really kind of the fault of the bloggers, which is why you really need bloggers really need to be careful about the whole disclosing what you're getting from advertisers kind of thing. Yeah, I think this is going to move people to have bloggers, external bloggers, post on their own uh, location 
uh, for instance, uh, Ann Taylor, if Ann Taylor had a blog and these bloggers went to this event, uh, I would require the bloggers to post their blog to the Ann Taylor's blog location. And that way you can concern, you can uh, control the disclaimer because you can put a footer on every single blog post automatically. Yeah, like in my case, I'm a Microsoft Student Insider, which I'm sure most people are well aware of by now. And whenever I usually do something with them, say it's going to Mix or PDC or whatever, I usually do my best to specifically mention what I'm getting at the time that I'm doing the post, like a trip to Mix, a netbook, a flip video camera, whatever. And for the longest time, I've been meaning to set up a specific page on the site that is just disclosures about what I've received from whom kind of a thing. It, but I'm still right now I'm still just kind of covering myself mentioning it in the posts themselves, but I, I want to have a dedicated section to that. But it, Same here. I would love to have a dedicated section for disclosures because that means I'm getting stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's the best kind of thing to have. But, yeah, that that's the way I prefer to do it as it seems like as far as long as you disclose it in some manner whether it's a disclosure section or in the post itself that says see the disclosure section um you're pretty much in the clear but this is just kind of the ftc's way of saying hey we're going to take this seriously after everybody kind of got a little bit upset over over it when this was whole when this was brought about late last year well, it, I'm kind of glad to see this happening because um, there's a lot of amateurs out in the social media space saying, um, let's go ahead and do this to bloggers, let's court some bloggers, let's just go ahead and do this uh, and do a little payola. Um, but I, I like to see that people are being kept honest and that the FTC is taking it seriously and hopefully uh, other companies and bloggers will take it seriously too. Yeah, that, that's one of the things where I think you can really kind of tell a difference between an amateur and somebody who's a little bit more on the professional side, and that you can kind of tell, even if they didn't disclose it, just by how they're talking about a product or whatever, if the gifts that they received influence their opinion. And there's a lot of people that, if you if the companies give them something, whether it's a free product to review, or... Um, some kind of compensation for a blog post or whatever, they tend to be overly generous in a lot of occasions. And there's others, the more professional ones, that they will still do a good job of pointing out all of the flaws and stuff in the product so that it's not an overly nice review. Yeah, more even-handed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what, what people like and what people want. And there's a study showing that in Amazon, uh, items that had more negative and good reviews got better sales than items that just had good reviews. And there's mm-hmm. a reason for that. Yeah, that's one of the things I look for whenever I'm going to purchase something, whether it's on Amazon or, say, I'm looking up new computer parts or whatever and I'm shopping on Newegg, is I go through all the reviews, I look at the good, and I look at the ad the ones that are praising the product to high heaven, 
and I'm looking at the ones that completely trash the product because I'm looking for the tiniest differences in terms of um, what the product isn't good at doing, if, is there certain situations where the product doesn't work, period, that kind of stuff. So I want to make sure that in my particular instance of using a product, it's going to work the way I want it to. Mm-hmm. And when I see a product that is nothing but five-star reviews, I tend to ignore it just because, and and move on to something else because I want something that has some more objective opinions. Right. Like, for instance, it has this amount of features, and later on, they take away features. <laughs> Yeah, like in the case with um, Sony, this is, of course, something a uh, story we've covered a little bit previously and note some new developments in it. This being the story where Sony decided to take Linux off of the PS3 for supposed security concerns, which, of course, they've never disclosed. And generally, when Sony says security concerns in relation to one of their gaming platforms, it basically means... There's some method where people are able to pirate our games because of it, which that's been their excuse every single time for the PS3 whenever, or I mean the PSP, whenever they've come up with a security issue, is that it's been okay. Our past security or our past firmware has been cracked or whatever, and people can now run ISO images of whatever games they want. So then they come out with a new firmware citing security issues. And this is the same thing here, although I still hadn't heard of any hacks that allow people to use Linux on their PS3 to be able to rip games or play um, copies of games or whatever, other than like your basic Nintendo 64 or SNES or NES emulators, which... For the people that ran Linux on their PS3s, those were somewhat popular. Right, and it's still, I mean, poor planning on their part should not mean uh, that they remove functionalities uh, to their customer base. Uh, yes, they announced that uh, it would run Linux when or other operating systems when they announced the console, and they can't go back on that. They need to learn from their mistakes if they truly think it is a mistake. Um, but they need to suck it up and take it. They can't just say, oh, well, let's let's have a redo and take away that feature. That's just not allowed. And I'm glad the state of California is uh, looking into this. Yeah, someone apparently decided to sue Sony over it, and they're working on trying to get it to be a class action suit, which I definitely support. I guess they're saying that there's at least $5 million worth of damages that gamers have suffered because of this. I know that I personally am still on the old firmware because I still want Linux on there, although I'm kind of getting a little bit tired of waiting around for the um, custom firmware to come out that will allow me to keep it on the newer firmware, so I'm kind of considering upgrading myself and getting it because I never really use it anyway, but I still don't like having the feature that major of a feature taken away because originally Sony really touted the feature. I mean, Mm -hmm. Phil Harrison back in 2007, he said, and I quote, one of the most powerful things about the PS3 is the install other OS option. And then Sony engineer uh, 
Jeffrey Lovend wrote about the PS3 in, in the PS3 mailing list in August 2009, saying that please be assured, SE, which is um, Sony Corporation Entertainment or something like that, I don't and don't remember that for sure, but uh-huh. is committed to continuing support for previously sold models that have the install other OS feature and that this feature will not be disabled in future firmware releases. So they've gone on record all over the place saying how great this feature is, we're never going to take it away, and then they just up and take it away without really giving specific details as to what the problem really is. Yeah. Well, once again, shame on Sony, and then they should be sued, especially when uh, Amazon started return, uh, accepting returns for consoles because of this reduced... Uh, functionally functional set, and uh, Amazon in the UK had to just buy, in the EU, sorry, just had to bite it because Sony would say, "Well, if you allow the return, that's that's your doing and not ours," and refuse to reimburse Amazon. Yeah, and that was, and that's <clears throat> something stupid on Sony's part because EU has all kinds of consumer protection laws where. Amazon kind of had to take it back whether they liked it or not. Because the kid that, or the guy that went to Amazon and said, hey, I want a refund or whatever, he was well aware of all the consumer protection laws and he was quoting off specific sections of laws and everything regarding stuff like this and taking away features that were advertised and stuff like that. So... I think that in the end it should be Sony that has to kind of be the one that gets screwed here just because they're the one that advertised the feature, said for several years how much how great the feature was that they'd never take it away, and then they end up taking it away. It shouldn't be Amazon that has to get screwed over the deal. It should be Sony. And i, I got to say that I have to give props to Microsoft for when they started having their red ring of death problems that uh, they extended out their warranty. They made sure that people got the repairs and they made a huge mistake too. And they decided to fix it and they continue to stand behind it and making sure that anyone who gets this problem, it would get resolved. Uh, Sony seems like um, they're abandoning their users. And I think this loyalty, um, is going to fade with their next release of their console. Yeah, speaking of which, I saw earlier today, and I didn't get really get a chance to read the stories, that apparently now Sony is offering some kind of an extended warranty plan for the PS3 and PSP, including um, accident protection or whatever, so that way if you accidentally hurl your PS3 across the room and it shatters into 100 pieces, they'll still fix it. Really? That's good. Yeah. So, anyway, um, well, wow, we're basically at time for the show, and we still have one more story to go, plus four tips of the week. So, on to the last story. Comcast is officially the worst company in the U.S. I know this story is probably really near and dear to your heart, and uh, I bet you're extremely surprised uh, that Comcast has won this prestigious award. Oh, yeah. Comcast has beaten out 
credit card companies, run, the runner-up Ticketmaster, who I absolutely hate because they've gotten to the point where their ticket fees are outrageous, and they have managed to win the Consumerist's Golden Poo Award. You, you have to also make sure you mention Cash for Gold. That is one of the contenders that they beat out for worse companies. Yeah, cash for gold, credit card companies, um, telecom companies, airlines, you name it. Yeah, I wonder if this is something that they can actually claim because um, I know you're probably familiar with the Razzie Awards and which the, the for best, I'm sorry, for worst uh, actors and movies and so on and so forth. And some some actors and actresses actually show up to pick one up. I wonder if they can. If they do the same thing for these Golden Poo Awards. Yeah, I don't know if there's going to be like a little statue or I know a lot of awards on the internet. Like you'll have like the best of E3 or whatever. You'll just get a little uh, image to put on your products page saying that you won best at E3 in such and such a category or whatever. But I don't know if that would be kind of what Comcast would get. Even if they did, I don't think that would be something that they would display proudly on their homepage. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Uh, but uh, we still have Comcast Cares on Twitter, and I wonder uh, if they're having a field day with this award and, and trying to uh, uh, reply to all the questions about the, the their award. Yeah, it seems like the Comcast people on Twitter are the only people at Comcast that have a clue what the heck they're doing. Whenever I have an issue, I anymore I don't even bother to call Comcast. Even if my internet's out, I'll get on my BlackBerry and and ask, okay, who from Comcast is watching Twitter? Sometimes it'll be Comcast Cares. Usually when I get a hold of it, it's Comcast Bonnie, who seems to be the best out of all of them. Although Frank, who's Comcast Cares, does a really good job too. There's a couple others that some are better than others, but I always go to them for help. And and usually, I'd say 90% of the time, they're pretty helpful. Now, if you call in, wait on hold forever, then you end up, I'd say, about 90% of the time with somebody who doesn't have the least bit of a clue what the heck they're doing. And they pretty much just tell you all the little things that maybe the average person probably wouldn't know to do. But if you're somebody who knows a lot about networking and stuff like I do, has already done ten times by the time I actually give in and call them. Yeah, sounds like a training issue. If two people on Twitter can handle most of your problems and uh, still be able to get back to you in a relatively quick manner, it sounds like they're just inefficient and undertrained, maybe a little bit overwhelmed. Yeah, I know their Comcast team on Twitter has grown quite a bit. I know there's like Comcast Bill, and I don't even remember how many different Comcast employee people there are on the Twitter team now. But yeah, they seem to have a lot more of an idea of what they're doing compared to the people who you're dealing with on phone support, which half the time you can't understand what the heck they're saying anyway. Uh, Is it outsourced? You know, it didn't used to be, and it seems like it was the last couple of times I've had to call, 
it seems like it probably has been outsourced. Hmm. Or at least part of it is outsourced. I don't think all of it is, but I'm starting to notice a little bit more where I think some of it is. Either that or they're bringing people from India to the United States to employ and they're in their um, call-in places. Uh, that's sad. Uh, sounds in like a sourcing cult- or whatever. Sounds like a cultural problem then. Yeah, they've got major issues, and and pretty much ever since they ever since the whole um, blocking of BitTorrent debacle, everybody's kind of seen them in an extremely negative light. Anyway, that and they're generally considered to be way too expensive. Sorry, this is a little bit off topic. I know we're running long, so I'll keep it short. Um, so I used to be in tech support back in the day, uh, Dell tech support. And I was always wondering how they never, um, how come they, well, stepping back a couple steps. When you call into your bank to activate your bank card or a credit card, they have your phone number on file. So when you call in, they're like, okay, the number you're calling from matches what we have in our system. And thus they send you through an expedited process of activating your card. Uh, mm-hmm. Else, you would have to go through some sort of validation process. I wonder why um, the call screening software on the vendor end uh, didn't allow them to rate their customers as in tech savvy or not tech savvy. Not tech savvy already gets you to gets you straight to level one. Little bit of tech savvy gets you to level two, and just have it default that way. And so that maybe the first time you call, Jeremy. You might have some bad service and people will understand, well, okay, well, you know what you're talking about. But the second time you call in, you get that, uh, you have that profile load and people know, oh, you know what you're talking about. And you can skip a whole bunch of the stupid steps. I wish they would do something like that. Yeah, that would be something I would really like to see. I'm surprised nobody seems to have picked up on that so far. I think you might want to try and sell that idea to some companies. Oh, okay. (laughs) But, uh... Hmm. Excuse me. I don't know. <coughs> Suddenly, just started choking there. Ugh. Let me let me take a drink here. Maybe that'll <coughs> help. Alcoholic beverages doing a podcast. This would be a first. Yeah, no. I'm I'm an all water guy. The only thing I drink is water, tea, occasionally orange juice, and once in a while, once in a great while, a Powerade. Right, and then That's, some pizza. Yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, whenever I call into Comcast, and usually on Twitter I don't get as much of a hassle, but whenever I call into Comcast, I always have the issue of the fact that the account is in my mother's name, so it's always a big hassle of, no, I'm not my mother, yes, it's okay for me to to have access to the account, here she is, then she has to say, okay, here's the last X number of digits on my social security number and whatever. And it's just a big issue just so I can get a little help on what's wrong with the Internet or trying to find out how much bandwidth I've gone through in a month because I tend to like to push my way right up to the limit of the 250 gigs. Um, it's just... Stupid little simple stuff like that. I shouldn't even need to. Um, it shouldn't even 
need to be the person who's on the account. It's like I'm trying to fix the internet or find out where we are on a monthly basis. I'm not trying to change the billing information. I right. That I can understand. Mm-hmm. But why you have to identify somebody by their social security number or whatever just to find out if there's an outage in your area, that's just stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think what the good thing about social networking is that we're entering the age where uh, the golden poor awards is going to spread and people are actually going to have to answer uh, to that. And uh, and customer service, is, uh, hopefully, is going to make a resurgence. I'm hoping so. I'm, I'm hoping that a lot more companies are going to start to realize just how important customer service is in terms of customer loyalty. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that would be... All of our stories for tonight. We still have our four tips of the week, which we'll get to in a second. But don't forget, you can check out all of our stories and find out all the information that we didn't get a chance to cover at globalgeeknews.com. And as of this evening, we have wrapped up our Command and Conquer 4 giveaway, which I will be contacting the winners of that probably tomorrow, so the day the show goes out. I will get the download codes to all of the winners. Thanks for to those who participated. Participation was a lot lower than I expected, but it wasn't quite as bad as the Windows 7 giveaway, I guess. So maybe we'll see some more giveaways in the future then. But anyway, the contest is now closed. Thanks for all those that have entered. And um, don't forget to check out globalgeeknews.com where you can find our tips of the week, which start with, for today's show, 60 tweaks and hacks for Windows 7, Vista, or XP. This is all kinds of different hacks, from like um, doing stuff in the registry, making your computer run faster, um, playing with mouse pointers, um, changing user themes all kinds of shortcuts for different features, um, getting rid of the recycle bin, um, all kinds of different stuff, disabling startup entries and stuff, which if you're a geek, you probably know some of this stuff already, but there's there's still a ton of this stuff that even I didn't know. So this is definitely a list of stuff to check out. It is on two different pages. Yeah, I know that's kind of annoying, but it's still a, wor- a list worth checking out. Second tip of the week is a free getting started with Ubuntu manual for people that are kind of new to Linux. For those that don't know, last week, Ubuntu 10.04, which I believe is um, Lucid Links, shipped last week. And same thing for Kubuntu and basically all the different Ubuntu offshoots, Kubuntu being my personal favorite. And although I have yet to install 10.04, I do have it downloaded to play with, though. But if you're new to Linux, want to check it out, free getting started guide in the link in the show notes from Lifehacker, or Lifehacker is the one that linked to it or whatever. And for our third one, 26 essential social media resources you may have missed. And actually... 
our um, fourth one, how to secure your WordPress blog, is part of this list. So I guess I could probably chop it down to three, but I'm not really going to mess with it. But the 26 essential social media resources you may have missed includes things like our tip from last week, disabling Facebook's instant personalization, um, how to spring clean your Twitter account, uh, how to lock down your or how to secure your WordPress blog. But also there was one thing on the how to secure your WordPress blog, which is our um, fourth uh, thing, that, our uh, fourth tip of the week that it didn't mention. There's a plugin that goes a little bit farther than the, what it mentioned called um, WP Security Scan. It's worth checking out if you're looking to more secure or to make your WordPress site a little bit more secure. But anyway, back to the list of 26 social media resources. Um, there's all kinds of things like um, apps for the iPhone and stuff for... or No, well, yeah, your iPhone stuff too. There's even stuff for how to turn your Android phone into a killer MP3 player, um, why schools are turning to Google Apps, and eight ways to repurpose your old electronics, all kinds of different stuff. So make sure to check out all of those in the show notes at globalgeeknews.com. Again, apologies for the show running about 15 minutes over this week compared to what we normally try to keep the show to. We hopefully won't do that again next week. Um, anyway, if you if there's any Questions, comments, suggestions, anything, feel free to leave them in the comments for the show at globalgeeknews.com. Or you can also write us an email, um, globalgeeknews at gmail.com. Um, I know in the past I've always said PCNR37 at globalgeeknews.com. The, that Gmail address is just easier, and essentially everything funnels to that address anyway. Um, of course, you can always contact us on Twitter. I am at PCNerd37. If you have any show or site-related stuff, you can use the at Global Geek News Twitter account, which I am in charge of as well. Or you can even contact Wesley, who is at Wesley83 on Twitter. And I think that's pretty much all of our ways to contact us. Don't forget, if you enjoy the show, find us valuable, find us entertaining. If you just enjoy us whatsoever, Tell your friends about us, and most importantly, um, sign up for our uh, to be one of our people who donates regularly to the show. Um, on the in the show notes, there's a button, a PayPal button for a five dollar a month donation, just a recurring thing. So if you're if you want to have a way of supporting the show, help us pay hosting costs, domain costs. Uh, eventually, if I ever get back dig myself out of the hole of several hundred dollars that I've already drained into the site. Um, I'd like to start upgrading my equipment, new mics. Um, we'd start. We'd like to move to video, among other things. So donations would be appreciated. And I've also decided that um, there's also the globalgeeknews.com slash donations page, which there's a link at the top for any um, custom amounts. Instead of doing $5 a month, say, you wanted to do just a one-time donation of $1,000. You can do that there. And I've decided that anybody who does that and donates at least $100, we will send you a t-shirt out of the Global Geek News online store, which you can also find linked to on the homepage. So I'll make sure to check all those out. 
And I think that's pretty much it for this week, unless there's anything that you can think of or that you would like to add. Uh, no, just thank you for the birthday wishes, and I hope everybody has a good week. Yeah, and we will see you guys next week. Later.